Hello again. Welcome to one of my favourite episodes in this entire podcast. As the title might have suggested, in this episode we talked a little less about Antarctica as such and a little more about leadership, personal growth and all of those things that make us feel like we can in fact always strive to become better people every day. Robin Rawson is the Managing Director of Progress Seminars, a company that prides themselves in taking good managers and turning them into great leaders. Luckily for us, Robin was a bit of a chance encounter during my time at Scott Base. He happened to be down for a few days during my mission to provide leadership and mentoring support to the winter manager and team as part of the winter season setup. You might remember Johnny, our friend from the Winter is Coming episode. This is a chat I'll listen back to over and over for the rest of my life. I think there's some real gold in it. So, sit back, relax, engage, and of course, enjoy. Hello, Robin. Hello, Harry. Thank you very much for popping into the studio here at Scott Base. It is my pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So why don't we start off with um, why you're in Antarctica and what's brought you down here this time? Sure. Um, I'm down here two primary reasons. Firstly, get to know the winter overs. Um, I come down each year. This is my 10th season down on the ice. I'm only here for a week or so, but it's to meet the winter team get to know the personalities. My second reason is to provide um, leadership, coaching support for the winter manager and their two IC. So each year by meeting the whole team, when it comes to those sort of remote coaching sessions uh, over the next six months, I've got a better feel for who's who and some of those sort of more intimate conversations about the dark days and the the challenges of, of life in an isolated, very remote location, I can offer more meaningful support. So, yeah, meet the team, um, um, introduce the senior manager to the leadership concepts and ideology that we expect of them as the senior leaders um, over the course of the winter. Right, and so a winter in Antarctica, what, is, what are these guys going to face, this team at Scott Base? Well, I, I mean, they're not going to face anything dramatic. Um, I think some people tend to play up winter overing. But in, in reality, it's dark. Um, there's no sunlight for three to four months, so you've got a lack of serotonin. Um, that does affect people psychologically, and some people are going to have moments. You know, um, you talk about dark days, but That's psychologically right. some people are impacted by... Um, the, the you know that that smaller space, the cabin fever that can come with it, and then just the isolation. It's quite different having 12 to 15 people on base for a long period compared to having 85 people on base. Right. Yeah. And so people have much longer periods of don't want to call it loneliness, but mm. over time that's how it feels. And so some people handle that. For others, it triggers you know, different thought patterns and sometimes that re reacts in behaviours. Nobody's bad, but some people can get, you know, they can cry, they can seek attention right. because of their loneliness and right. it's not always in constructive ways. Kind of basic ways we try to 
react as as just humans, right, to yeah. these different situations. I mean, for me, it's yeah. like from what you're saying, you know, up on the mainland where we get consistent daylight and, and yeah. we even have our low times yes. and we ride yeah. those waves, obviously, I guess it's just a more escalated version down here. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's not just about the individual. Um, what's important is if somebody is feeling a little isolated, a little separated, uh, it's the rest of the team's job to notice that, to get around them, to, you know, we, we talk a lot down here about the importance of family, and this is a family for, you know, six-plus months for most of them, so that... Uh, for some parental support, for others it's a brotherly, sisterly support, but it's very important culturally that these guys are comfortable in being able to be there, notice it, and, and just take that person for a walk or go somewhere for, and, and offer a bit of quite deliberate encouragement, reinforcement, right. and that's the best tonic. People don't need pills and potions, no. they just need companionship. Absolutely. Uh, so that's what we encourage and that's what we foster. Obviously, my work is more directly with um, the winter manager and their two IC so that they are proactively leading and role modeling those behaviors. Right. And just quickly, so how big's the team this year and what's the female male split? So this year, there will be, I say approximately 15 because there's a bit of movement between yeah, yeah. sort of March and April. It's not a, a typical winter. Not a set. But over thing. the years, look, you average between 12 and 15 people. Um, it's predominantly male. This year there's two females and the rest are males. Some seasons it's a lot more. Um, past seasons we've also had the Antarctic Heritage Trust teams as a part of the winter over and they're predominantly female staff. Um, yeah, so this season predominantly males and a lot of returnees this year. So the, uh, that gives me a bit of confidence in yeah. terms of experience about a third of them are returnees one two three four years plus right um, so a lot of experience it means the newer younger guys will be in good hands mm, absolutely um, yeah okay and so so what is antarctic leadership uh what's that all about what are you sort of talking to these um managers and two ics about yeah. so we do talk leadership more than management i think you know my involvement's been with a very clear bias around that. Um, for a lot of people, it's semantics, and they confuse the words. In Antarctica and New Zealand, we don't. Um, there is a place for management, and there is clearly a responsibility to manage projects and processes and, you, you know, um, things that need to be done, and we don't hide from that. We need to manage things, and we need to lead people. Yeah. So in broad terms, that would be the, the distinction. And I don't focus on the management of things. Mm. They have very technically competent people to look after. The overwinter, it's predominantly right. maintenance as opposed to science. So they know how That's to fix right. the yeah. tractors and sort out the rebuild of this or that or changing of a, an area. Basically keeping the place alive. Yeah. Right. But the leadership of people, that's something we can all participate in. Um, and it's no different in any workplace. You know, there are some very good managers who know how to lead people, and there are some horrible managers. That's you know, right. Horrible people who should never have staff under them. They got promoted because they were technically competent, and somebody assumed that because they were good at doing a technical job, they were good at getting around and coaching and supporting and mentoring their staff, and some of them aren't. 
So we're quite, that's really my role, just to make sure there's a language and a culture around um, what does that mean, leading people. And whilst, yes, we look at two key figureheads for that, everybody plays a leadership role. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in a workshop tomorrow with the whole winter team as a part of their preparation about the fact that we can all provide guidance, encouragement. You know, people often ask me what leadership is, and it is simply deliberate acts of kindness. Yeah. When that happens, you will get a lot of followers. That's the only way you can be a leader, if someone's following you. And if you're, you know, if you're warm, if you choose to show empathy and kindness to people, it's amazing what they will do for you. Mm. So we, we don't always succeed, but we try really hard to engender that self-awareness. We don't complicate what leadership is. Um, it's something that every human being can engage in. A lot of people hold the notion, well, you've, you've got to be a born leader. You've either mm. got it or you haven't. Yeah. I don't buy into that delusion at all. Right. Everybody's got it. Yeah. It's just some have the good fortune to realize that greater potential. Others, depending on the environment they're raised in, um, seem to hide and, and shy away from those opportunities. Yeah, I think I think some people are proactive with their own personal yeah. leadership and yeah, they, they can understand that and realize that. Mm. And I think that's a massive part of it, which mm. is taking one step forward and, and being mm. like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this or I'm, mm. I'm going to say that. And mm. I guess with these guys down here, the thing is as soon as they see someone, uh, whether it's struggling or just feeling a little down some days yeah. or anything like that, that's how they all have that individual role because they all have to take yeah. that proactive step forward to help. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you've nailed it. And I, and I think seeing that, noticing that, you know, I look at you, Harry, and your time. I've observed you on the on the base here. and I can see, you know, you've got that energy and that confidence and that influences people around you, <laughs> whether you realise it or not. And, and, and fantastic. You know, you've had a journey that's allowed you to realise greater potential. It's not about age. No. It's not about experience. It's about self-belief and a conviction that there's more to bring and to give to people. I, I like to really notice the slightly quieter ones who are just, you know, about to flower and blossom and be a part of triggering mm. some of that, that budding. I, I love to see potential in people and quietly give them a wee nudge. Yeah, of course. And some flourish. Others, you know, their programming is too entrenched. But everyone has the potential. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same on the ice. The winter over, as some of them come away, you know, and you can just see at the end of the season, you know, they've grown, they've learned, they've had this nurturing from other leaders. And they go away and they think differently. Some people's careers change dramatically. Mm. Um, and we talk about the, the beauty of the ice and the experience of the physical environment. But many of them grow through the social and emotional environment that is wintering over. No, so, of course. Yeah. You know, I suppose such a, a small uh, team of people, they must really get to know each other. Mm. Yeah. As I say, there, there is a level of intimacy, you know, that's really healthy. And we often lose sight and lack that in the busy modern world that we live in. We, we don't know how to slow down and and, uh, you know, enjoy each other in a way that we once did mm. between technology and demands and ever-increasing expectations of the Western world we live in, we, we get addicted to rush disease. 
That's and right. down here we get to slow down and, and forces us to yes, slow down. Yes, and that's why I think you, you, you see these guys talking about their winter experience in a way that we don't all understand because we haven't literally been right there with them. But um, a part of that is the way um, they have had a chance to see the world through a different lens yeah. for, for a season. And actually for an extended period of time too. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm lucky yeah, enough meaningful. to get down here yeah. and, and I have in some ways had a bit of a disjoint from that from that typical life that we all live yeah. you know, up, yeah. up, up north. But, you know, I'm at the end of the day, I've only been here for relatively a short period of time. And, mm. and soon enough, I will find myself back <laughs> in the mainland, most likely taking yeah. step by step too fast forward, right? And yep. the, the, yes. the Russian urge <laughs> to live this life. And uh, these guys have, you know, three to four months where they can sit back and be like, mm. right, you know, this is it. This is us. Yeah. I imagine just that mindset probably helps them get through a lot of the challenges too, where it's like, you know, like we uh, get caught up on so many little things back at mm. home because mm. we just get wound up and there's that really sort of intense energy. Yeah. Uh, but down here, I, I can imagine you'd be like, if there was a problem or a challenge or an issue, you'd probably face it and you'd probably be like, well, you know, I, I'm in the headset, I'm here for four months and mm. I'm with you for four months. Mm. I'd rather sort this out now yeah. than try and drag this out. I mean, logically yeah. that makes sense in yeah. terms of a way of trying to solve problems. Yeah, yeah, and, and the realisation that they can't run away. Yeah, there exactly. There is nowhere to go. It's <laughs> actually quite therapeutic for people. <laughs> and, and in part, I get involved in some of those, if there are tensions, the, the reminder that, hey, it's not like there's a plane coming in in the next two weeks or the next month or for in, in some parts of the season for three to four months. And so, yes, um, it does force people to perhaps confront some of those issues and challenges that they might otherwise run away from. Um, and that's a, that's a good thing. Mm. Um, having said that, look, we don't expect or uh, predict big dramas over winter. Some people try and play up, oh, winter's going to be dodgy and dark. <laughs> and, but, but look, pe- people are mentally resilient and mm. they get selected for a reason. And right. Yes, we do have tensions and there are niggly little things, but uh, winter generally, the kind of people that come down here, they've, they've got it together and... They grow and they learn, but it's not like this big dramas. Mm. I mean, occasionally, been doing a long time. Yeah. We've had to deal with some issues, but but nothing, you know, nothing that's of grand uh, scale. Yeah, nothing yeah, yeah, of yeah. grand scale. You yeah. were saying before that there is a selection yeah. process. What does that kind of look like? I'm not directly involved in rec- in the recruitment, right. but I am very aware that there's a psychometric level of testing right. just to ensure that Antarctica and New Zealand are comfortable that these people have the you know that not only the skills to do the job, but the the, the people skills, the attitude, the mental resilience to handle pressure. On its own, it's but one cog in the wheel. Psychometric testing is a valuable tool. On its own, it's not a guarantee of a perfect person. Mm. I don't think there is such a thing. No but it's way. an important cog, the recruitment process. Um, and yeah, yeah. Um, occasionally, there are personalities that don't quite work, and occasionally we shift people out before the season ends but um, it's the exception rather than the rule. I suppose at the end of the day they are looking after the assets down here and, and mm. everything that Antarctica mm. New Zealand have in operation in, down yeah. here at Scott Base. Oh, huge responsibilities um, for each other but also for the um, ongoing commitment to ensuring world-class science occurs every summer. 
Mm. You know, we do very little science in winter, but the, that period of re, redefining and sorting this base so that it is ready for another big season, mm. it's a remarkable how much science goes on for such a small base. Yeah, uh, that's right. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it is. So, yes, they carry that. And, you know, people are here for a lot of reasons, Harry. Um, yes, there are those where the ice, the the um, privilege, the mystique of being down here just gets in people's systems and that's where your attorneys come back again and again. That great name, Antarctica. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got your adventurers and this is their bucket list. And, you know, in life where there's a will, there's a way. And they've found a way to get here and they soak it up and you see that energy. It's always there on their first trip and in those first few couple of months our jobs to make sure it's there in the back end of their experience as well. That's right. Um, and yeah. so if we could maybe just touch on the on the more practical side of, of what you're doing while you're here. So what do these mm. workshops sort of entail and, and what are you kind of doing to build the team? So there's with the, it's, it, the workshop we're doing tomorrow, and I typically only do one, it's a mix between what we might call a, a charter workshop, a team-based workshop. So tomorrow we'll be looking specifically at what are what is our team plan for the next six months? What are those events that matter? And we'll look at personal events, operational events. We'll look at social events. So we'll discuss people's birthdays. We'll discuss, you know, milestone anniversaries. We'll talk about Easter. We'll talk about the day the sun goes down for the last time, <laughs> and then the day the sun comes up for the first time. That's right. How do we celebrate and what is their engagement in these processes? Do they want to be a part? Do they not? And allow people to really bring their voice so everyone can understand each other's expectations in terms of a team plan. And then we'll look in the second half of the workshop at what we would call our team values because it's one thing to have company rules, company vision. Antarctica have got amazing you know, messages around core vision, values, expectations. But this family for this winter also need to right. chat amongst their themselves. Own brand, their yeah, own symbol. And say, yeah, what is important to us? What are we going to commit to? So we brainstorm and create flip charts and end up with, you know, it'll be 20 to 30 different things. And then I'm going to say to them, okay, what are the top six? Yeah. And they'll chat through that and we'll use some exercises around getting it down. And and that way for the winter leader, as the season unfolds, if there are minor misdemeanors, if we could call them that, the first point of call isn't where's the company policy, it's did that choice or that behaviour reflect the values that we felt what we're going to work for our family this season. Right. So, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, the I sort guess, of stuff we do. Yeah, it really does sound like a family then. Yeah, well, we, we encourage that culture, that behaviour. Um, and, yeah, so so that'll, that'll happen. And uh, not long after, I'll be on a plane heading back. But every so, month I will check in with, with as I say, the senior right. managers for the season. And every month we'll check in. We'll have an hour to two hours on the phone talking in part about the team and how it's going but it's also about in this case Johnny and Mark about their professional development you know we actually want them to learn about leadership and develop skills that will add to their CV to their professional career beyond Antarctica 
one of the things this organisation prides itself on is anybody who comes in should be able to leave a, a, you know, a more skilled person and because they've taken on those management roles, we want to make sure that their competency in leadership and management is higher than it was when before they started. Right. Yeah. Kind of what what kind of leadership values have you seen um, some of the Winter Over crews leave with? So, you know, you start. They all sort of have a sense of what leadership is, and you know, I sit down and talk with the the manager, the two I see about how they might define leadership and what that looks like. And people have a broad understanding about about that. But I think most of them do go away with a deeper understanding of empathy. Um, you know, they listen a little more intently. They, um, uh, I think they know how to handle some of the conflict. The, we call them courageous conversations. Yeah. We, teach them, yeah. we teach them skills and actually how to use questions of self-discovery as an example and you know an inquiring mind is far more successful than an accusing mind and when somebody has got a few problems it's not you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't be doing that it's hey Bob we noticed there was a bit of a kerfluffle here just trying to understand what what happened mm. what could you do a little different next time right. and I think they really learn those skills they we all know the broad basics but we give them scripting scenarios and so I think handling conflict, uh, empathy, um, I think, you know, uh, they go away thinking differently about self-leadership. Mm. You know, what does it mean to truly look after yourself? Absolutely. Realign our priorities around our own well-being, our own ability to be a bit more disciplined around our eating patterns, mm. our sleeping patterns. Mm. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in that, you know, you have to be able to lead yourself well um, mm. first before you can lead anyone else really yeah. and that's I'm glad you brought that up because the, those little things um, mm. really do matter like those mm. little bits of self-discipline they are yeah. everything I'm yeah. learning more and more just the the little bits of self-control that you may think mean nothing they yeah. actually mean everything they do I guess if, if I had to you know off the cuff think about the other area that would stand out to me that we do try and certainly encourage is within leadership the importance of servanthood, of service. People get it, but we talk a lot about, you know, um, the greatest leaders are the greatest servants. And some people think leadership's about status and power and mm. position. It's none of those things. Mm. Um, it's our desire to help other human beings. That's right. And you know, we encourage that, and I think a lot of the guys, certainly the managers, do come off the ice with a heightened awareness around, if I really want people to follow me, I've got to give more of myself. Mm. So service, you know, helping, kindness, those things resonate for most at a higher level post the kind of training we give them, you know, toward the end of the season than perhaps at the beginning kind of reminds me of the idea of being you know the power of being united under a common goal for me that's when I see teams mm -hmm. working at their best mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. you all know what you want and you all have a common goal and you all really want to achieve it that for the for me when I've been in those kind of teams yeah. that's when we've always done the best yeah yeah and I and absolutely uh, in the team environment with the unity the common goal the the same end result um, Real leadership happens one-on-one. -on -one. 
So mm. even within the team, you've still got these moments that can define people. Real leadership, you know, it doesn't deny the importance of the state of the nation and the coming together and the rah-rah, but real leadership happens in the intimacy of a moment. You know, I see it in co the corporate world that I live in. An employee, I don't know, starts shooting up late for work. So this weak manager sends a group email reminding everybody of the importance right. of punctuality. <laughs> what a load of crap. Yeah. You know, real leadership is when that guy's got the balls to sit down with that person one-on-one -on -one and say, hey, we need to talk about your lateness. And that's when people learn and grow and change right. and higher level of truth. It's kind of, yeah, it's it's getting over that uh, that barrier that yeah. I feel so many of us face. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, why do, why do we face that barrier where we can't just get over it and be like, if there's a, a small thing that needs to be sorted out, you, it's better off for both parties and you, Harry, and you know that. Harry, <laughs> it happens very clearly and quite deliberately because we all have deep-seated psychological drivers that shape what we say and do every day. Most of them happen subconsciously. Now, one of our biggest drivers is the need for security. Now, our security needs, you know, do I feel safe? Do I feel, you know, secure in who I am? They're challenged when somebody in our world is defiant or non-compliant or just being a horrible person. Mm. And we think, oh, but if I go to them, they might not like me anymore. Mm. You know, if I say something, they might think I'm a, I'm a horrible person. And so all these fears become imposters in the mind. Mm. They detract. And so suddenly we make excuses to Monkey not brain. confront them. Yeah. You know, we make reasons to justify and what we ignore. We try to we, make it seem logical. Yeah. <laughs> and so then we suddenly get too busy. Oh, I'll deal with troublesome Bob tomorrow. Yeah. And tomorrow never comes. No. And so that's why we so often avoid confrontation. We're conditioned to avoid it, but it doesn't make it right. Why do we want to? Why do we want to naturally? I mean, there's a few exceptions, and I, I take my hat off to them every time. But why do we always want to try and please everyone? Conditioning, right? Conditioning. Um, people need people, and we feel safe. We feel secure in a team where everyone's happy. But we underestimate what we excuse, we ignore, we tolerate, we approve. So if somebody is turning up late or not following a process or, um, you know, using bad language in front of a customer, by saying nothing, we're saying, that's now that's acceptable. Okay. That is the new norm. And then suddenly a few other people start swearing a bit more and suddenly the F word's commonplace. You know, that's all culture is, the way we behave around here. That's right. And leaders shape that culture. Right. So, yes, it does take bravery. Uh, true leaders do have courage as a part of their toolbox, and they fight those imposters, and they say, I'm actually going to care enough about that person to have an honest and genuine conversation, not because I want to be some control freak, no. but because I actually care and I want to help that person. Yeah. When those motives are in play, things normally go pretty well. And again, that's where your value set is just is critical. Oh, if you haven't got the right values or the right motives for having those kind of leadership discussions, then it will go pear-shaped because people have egos. And when you're challenging someone's you know, performance or attitude, their ego kicks in and they want to fight and we fear that they're going to get grumpy and angry. And some do. 
but it's not a reason to not have the conversation. And it's funny because you have the conversation and sure, maybe it doesn't go as, as perfectly as you dreamed, even though nothing mm. ever happens perfectly. Yeah, yeah. The reality is it's probably going to be blown over at some point pretty soon and you'll mm. both be able to get on with it anyway. When, when the tougher conversations are had and it's coming from a good heart, the recipient knows that. That's right. They know that. If it's coming from a good place, if you can look that person in the eye and say, look, I know this isn't easy to hear, Bob, but I care enough, you, you know, I need to tell you, you know, that kind of behaviour uh, in front of, you know, those people is inappropriate. When it's coming from that heart, mm-hmm. yeah, people generally thank you for it. And they respond to it. Yeah, not always straight away, but they'll inevitably come back later that day or the next Hey, thanks for that little pep talk, Robin. Yeah. You know, I appreciate the heads up. And they just needed a bit of time to acknowledge a wee correction, a wee modification in their behaviour. We all need that. Um, it's cool. I just sort of thought how it's like this whole idea of, I mean, this specific idea of leadership where we're talking about people taking steps forward and, and mm. doing it. It's kind of like, you know, the leader themselves is also stepping out and into their discomfort zone just totally. as much as whoever they're trying to possibly talk to totally. about, you know. It's it's yeah. a kind of a two-way street. Yeah. I feel like that's probably never really talked about that often. Oh, I, I say to the guys here at, at, at the, who are the winter team leaders this season, I say it in my, in my consultancy work back in, in New Zealand, you know, I hope you've got a couple of tough nuts this season. And they go, oh, I don't really... It'd be good for your development, I yeah. say to them. You know, not because I want it to get messy, but we learn and grow through more challenging personalities that, that keeps us on our toes. Absolutely. So it's, it's quite okay to have a bit of tension. It's not what happens. It's how we deal with what happens. And you're quite right. Uh, that's how leaders grow. Um, yeah. Well, could you kind of see, you know, you see those stronger characters that have, you know, a relatively set in their whatever it is, their values or mm. their beliefs, mm. and and that actually gives you a chance to reflect yep. and and compare yeah. and contrast, you know, your own values and yeah. beliefs and yeah. how they kind of may relate and how they maybe don't relate. And mm. at the end of the day, it, it actually only helps you formulate yours better. Yeah. And, and that's what you do in leadership. You've got to get better at judgment at discernment. Someone's paying that person to make good judgments, to be discerning of a situation and be able to deal with it. And look, Harry, at the end of the day, leadership is an art form. Mm. You know, management's a science. It's very mechanical and it's easy to measure. Leadership, you know, so management's very objective. The numbers, the data, mm. the quality control measures. Leadership's subjective. Leadership's real. It's, it's real. Life. It's life. It's, it's art. It's expression. And like all forms of art, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So my starting point, not only for winter managers, but when I'm really, you know, most of my coaching work back in New Zealand is at a CEO sort of GM level. And they've often done all the management courses you can yeah. speak of. So my starting point is typically sitting them down and saying, Right. <laughs> you, you know, are you a beautiful person? Yeah. Because people are noticing your art form, whether you realize it or not. Do they see beauty in the way you walk, the way you talk, your authenticity, your mm. genuineness, your energy, your self-expression? Because like all forms of art, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So a good leader owes it to themselves to always be checking the canvas, adding a few brush strokes, mm. yeah. developing that art. Because that's how you get people to follow you. 
if people think you're a beautiful person, they'll do things for you mm. in, in that artistic sense. And so occasionally, somebody's going to come along in our lives and they're going to think we're ugly. Every now and then, that's called a personality mm. clash. No matter how hard we try, we can't get them on board. But that's the exception. It's not the rule. And with good self-awareness, with the belief that we can every day grow and change and add a few more brushstrokes to our own personal canvas, we can continue to bring people with us, mm. you know, have real followers. You can't be a leader without followers. So, I, you know, I think it's important that people constantly strive to develop their personal beauty in that leadership context. I, I, I love that, Robin. It's kind of, I think it's also really empowering because it uh, makes you feel uh, more uh, inspired to continue to be yourself. Yeah, and, I, I would hope for that. And yeah. to, you know, to continue to just, yeah, yeah focus on developing yourself yeah. and not thinking like, oh, well, this is what leaders are and that's mm. so therefore that's mm. what I should do. And it's more like this is who I am. Um, this is my set of beliefs and values. Mm. Uh, how can I work on those and continue to add yeah. them to myself? And, yeah. But otherwise I am who I am. Yeah. And, you know, you'll, you know, you might be the ripest peach in the world, uh, yet there'll still be some people out there who, who don't love peaches and yes. don't want to eat peaches, yes. you know? And I think that's that's a, also a reality that I think a lot of people yeah. st uh, still need to realise and yeah. and yeah. come to uh, come to the reality of believing. Yeah, really nice way of putting it. And they're going to be there. My concern when there is a genuine clash is that the leader who's done a great job with 99 out of those 100 people could, if they don't see it quick enough, lose some confidence. Mm. Some new imposters can start coming into yeah. their mind. And if they let them take residence, suddenly people can lose confidence, not, you know, lose their sense of self-esteem because one person can do a lot of damage um, if mm. allowed. That's right. One situation can, yes. I mean, exactly, it's, it's, that's the thing, right? You can do a hundred things right, and then one thing will go wrong, and it can be that the, mm. you could be, feel like you're at rock bottom again. Mm. I mean, how do these like these imposters that you're talking about? How do you talk to the the, the Winter Over crew down here about how to how to sort of defend against them or how to more uh, so, live with them? More so, Johnny, and or more so the senior leaders. You know, I think it's clear to understand, Harry. I don't go and work directly with a lot of them. I could, but that's not the way I want to operate. I want. I want the winter managers to take a leadership role. I don't want to do it for them. So if they come to me and, and discuss a particular issue, how someone's just lost their way a little bit, become a little, then I will talk to, let's say, Johnny about, hey, let's talk about what's going on in their head. And they can go and offer that level of encouragement and coaching. Because that's how Johnny grows. Yeah. There's no good me going and doing it for them. It's no different in corporate New Zealand when... A manager, a weak manager, has got a problematic staff and says, oh, I'll give that to HR. Mm. Now, I expect HR-related people not to do it for them. They to advise and guide and upskill that manager to handle that person directly. Right. So it's very much the same down here. That's how those guys grow. Right. And so I guess, yeah. you know, it's, and that's and that's also the other reality of leadership is that no one is going to help you necessarily. Uh, you know, it's it's very much a self journey that you it need is. to live with, and and that's a great part of life too is, is is learning yeah. how to become friends with these imposters and yeah. and understand <laughs> understand why they might be doing whatever they're trying yeah. to say to you or, or whatever yeah. it is. But then I guess that's where your uh, your awareness and mindfulness becomes yeah. hugely important too. Oh. 
look in, in that particular area it is it's about mindfulness self-awareness and then it's about what is just quickly mindfulness and self-awareness i feel like these are buzzwords and they are buzzwords some and people don't I, quite when people ask me that i say look it's simply about taking a big breath right and yes there's lots of programs about ways but when you can just breathe and you know, more deeply reflect on a certain thing. So mindfulness for some people is yoga. That felt so good. For some people it's yoga. For other people it's prayer. For other people it's quiet reflection during a walk in the woods. You know, I don't think we should try and stereotype mindfulness, but it is certainly a deeper level of thinking, uh, a deeper level of critical self-reflection so that we can make choices. And in that space of what I call imposters in the mind, that requires um, affirmation. It requires positive self-talk. Some of those things that people consider a psychobabble are actually very powerful. Mm. And I am a strong advocate of self-talk. You know, psychology teaches us we all have inner dialogue. We all talk to ourselves. Some people don't like to admit it, but we all talk to ourselves. Absolutely. When we interrupt ourselves, it could become an issue. <laughs> but the basics inner dialogue, that's important. And I'm often challenging people, what's your inner dialogue? Mm. And so to deal with those imposters, we have to actually get a little louder, sometimes a little more verbal. Mm. I can do it. Yeah. I'm better than that. That person needs me to be more honest with them. I can do it. Mm-hmm. And it can sound a little naff, but it's very it's powerful. So powerful. It's powerful. We and get what we think about, Harry. We become what we think about. Absolutely. We psychologically move towards our currently dominant thoughts, whether we realize it or not. So positive people attract positive people. They build a world of pessimistic, oh, woe is me. They get up in the morning waiting for the misery, <laughs> and as soon as it hits them, they tell everyone, told you so. Oh, my God. I knew I was going to have a yeah. shit day. <laughs> as soon as it hits them, they, it validates their inner dialogue. And how tragic is it? Yeah. I don't have to deal with too many of those people, yeah. but when I do, I'm hard on them. Absolutely. Well, it's the only... It's, you have to, it's, shake you have to right? Well, the imposters have taken residence. Right. They've set up shop. Yep, they've set up shop internally, and that person is you know, never going to realise their full potential until a leader comes along and loves them enough to say, hey, Bob, pull your head in. Mm. You know, you are on the fast track to misery if you keep making these kind of choices. Mm. And if someone's ready for that, it's powerful. It's powerful for you and I to be a part of Mm. that. Not because we want to get any glory from it. It's it's special that you just may have moved them a little bit because you were the right person at the time who had the intuitive feel, the the, uh, intuition to be able to intervene in a really positive way. The way I like to see it with uh, with mindfulness, and I think it's one of the definitions that's out there, it's like it's the ability to step back and kind of outside of your thoughts for a second realize that thoughts come in and out and you look at them completely unbiasedly and you're just like you know again i'm not even i can't even say anything more because that's it's unbiased you just see it and you realize and i guess you know i'm i'm by no means um perfect at all i'm i'm very uh, full of flaws but i just some absolutely but sometimes 
not all the time, but most of the time, I just try to pick the, the positive thoughts that come through yeah. and try to hold yeah. on to those Absolutely. versus the negative ones that yeah. come through. And, and I'll just try yeah. and brush those off and unbiasedly look at them. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people then get into this sort of frantic state where they go, mm. oh, I, why do I have these negative thoughts? Am I, am I a bad person or am mm. I not such a good person? But it's not like that at all. Yeah. It's just that everyone mm. has these thoughts. Yes. It's how yeah. we're somewhat conditioned as humans and that's mm. how our brain, you know, psychologically, it's, I guess, is that what we just do really you know yeah. do we have good and bad thoughts or, or since we were babies <laughs> were we just having positive thoughts 24 7 you know yeah 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 so yeah i just think for a lot of people i think it's as simple as deciding um in a mindful way to choose the positive thoughts yeah. versus the negative ones yeah music to my ears and if everyone could get past some of the stereotypical barriers uh, around the stuff you would re release or unleash a whole lot more potential in mm -hmm. human beings. I mean, lots of people do amazing things, but I do feel for those who their journey hasn't taken them down the track you and I have gone down. They've had people and experiences that have cast a shadow over um, their choices. And for some, that's very hard to break that cycle. And some never do. Mm. Um, I often start a deeper level of coaching with people with a very simple question. Once they've talked to me a little bit about the areas that they want improvement on, I say to them, so let's start with an honest answer to this question. Do you believe you can change? Mm. And it's amazing when people really think about how confronting that is if, if they've behaved a certain way, demonstrated an attitude or a and approach a certain way for 20, 30 years of their life, you know, they're, they're saying to me, oh, it's in my genes. You know, I was genetically encoded to be miserable, and I'm trying to help them see that that is not true, no. that those imposters have created this delusional belief system that's limiting them. So unless someone believes they can change, it's very hard for me or you to have an impact. So it's a confronting question. Mm. Do you actually believe you can relearn that this is not genetic, that it's environmental, and what's learned can be not only unlearned but relearned, mm. that you can reprogram? It might mm. take a few months because old habits die hard. Exactly. But if you, if you, if you don't believe you can, very hard to get to the next step. And that's where that very confronting. idea and philosophy of always, you know, trying to foster that yes I can or yeah. of course like um I know, need them to verbalize that. Absolutely. I need them to start saying not only to me but ultimately to themselves, I can do it. I can back myself. Yeah. And when I fail, I'm gonna get back on the horse the same day. Mm. I'm not gonna go, told you so. Mm. I knew I was hopeless. Mm. <laughs> Back on the horse yeah. because it is, it is, for some it's quite a challenging ride. And it reminds me because I also think that these things, like so many aspects of life, and we could talk about so many different things, yeah. but the importance of habits in this respect, yeah. in yeah. this case of leadership, and how you know it's you can't just expect that if you woke up one day saying that you said yes I can, yes I can, yes I can, yeah. that if you don't say that for the rest of the week, rest of the month, rest of the year, yeah. that yeah. that kind of attitude and belief will continue. It's about mm. saying that every day, yeah, waking up every morning and saying today could be a great day, today could be that day where that yeah. one thing happens, that moment happens yeah. where my life changes or anything like that for the not, better. Not, not only could, is. is. Today is a great day. Right. I'm going to make a difference today. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to find that moment today. Mm. 
And when you get a few more grey hairs like I've got, you actually appreciate... A bit more experience. <laughs> you actually appreciate every day above ground is a great day. And, you know, I go to bed every day, every night, with an attitude of gratitude. I, I consciously choose to put my head on the pillow every night and say, what am I grateful for today? I mean, when I'm down here in this beautiful yeah, environment, this is, it's even heightened. This but, is one hell of a place uh, to be grateful. But every day, and that sets you up for the next day. Um, there is so much. I'm not going to take my cell phone to bed and play mindless games no. till I fall asleep. That's, no. that's not good programming, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Yeah. Oh. So that's an insight into some of the sorts of things that we not only teach here, but, you know, leadership's way bigger than... In general. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Robin, that was, uh, that was incredible. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Uh, My pleasure. You know, I think that whoever was listening to that uh, has got, you know, a couple of things that they can write into their, into their notebook or diary. I hope so. And, uh, and you know, some, some skills there and um, just a couple of basic ideas to start yeah. working on. Yeah. Uh, and that will, that will, I reckon, help. I hope so. Thanks, Harry. Who would have thought? <laughs> Thank you very much, Robin. My pleasure. Till Thank next you. time. Okay. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us and listening in. I hope you enjoyed the episode and do check out some of the others. As always, it'd be great to hear from you. So leave a review or subscribe or get in touch anyway. More info about the episode can be found in the show notes, so feel free to explore. Thanks again. And here's to Antarctica.